This podcast is brought to you from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 53 of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and I'm joined today by two of my favorite people. Let's start with Mindy Carney. Oh, do I, does that mean I'm your favorite? I said, let's start with Last Mindy Last time Carney. you said that, I was not. I was the second person in line. So Corey's got her work her way up. Because Corey Rogers is here, too. New Yay. member from the team. She's here to talk computer science with us today. Corey, why don't you introduce yourself, tell people who you are and what you do and what you did. I'm Corey Rogers. I'm new to the team. <laughs> yeah, I think I said that. Keep yeah, going. Yeah, you said that. And I'm um, just working my way up to that favorite spot. Yeah, it's oh. not that great up here. <laughs> um, I was a school improvement and instructional technology consultant at Central Rivers, which is another AEA in Iowa. Um, and then before that, I was a middle school media specialist in Waterloo, Iowa. And prior to that, I was a STEM and computer science teacher in the Detroit suburbs. So if anyone from Michigan is listening, I was in the West Bloomfield School District. There. Is that upper or lower peninsula? That is the lower peninsula. Okay. You have no geography um, when it comes yeah, to so Michigan. Yeah, so not conducive to podcasts at all. But if you hold yeah. your hand up, okay. the, you oh, know, right if you're now. from okay, Michigan, yeah. Um, Left hand? <laughs> Uh, it you know it doesn't matter I suppose, oh, okay. uh, but everybody do so, everybody's doing it. People, if you're driving, put your hands back yeah. on the wheel. Okay. So Detroit is down here, like oh, kind of your where thumb? your thumb is. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and I grew up in the northern part of the Lower Peninsula in Holton Lake, Michigan. So it's okay. up here. Oh, burr. Okay. Yeah, and then um, so really fun. This is super fun. You're gonna edit this out, but probably um, that's okay. So there's a very famous um, technical university in the upper. Upper Peninsula in Houghton, Michigan, which is like super way up, always snowy. Okay. And every year in August, families would stop and be like, where's the university? And they'd stop at Houghton Lake. And we'd be like, oh, no, you've got like eight to ten more hours of driving, oh, no. friends. Really? Before you get to, um, Keep going. until you get up to uh, to Michigan Tech. So, sorry. Interesting. Michigan Tech. Anyway. <laughs> I got a new computer, folks. You did get a new computer. I got a new computer, too. But I'm recording on the old one right now. Yeah, I'm using my old one still, too. I get Not the, right now, but... I get the impression people were really worried after we talked about the I Mac and PCs so. last time. And they so. were worried about where, how long it, these were going to last. But yeah. new computers are here. Concern. We're good. Mm-hmm. We're good to go. And we're happy again. Yes. Well, I was a little upset today, but I got it figured out. Thanks. You're welcome. All right, should we start with news and follow-up? Let's do it. Okay, so um, I saw this come across when I opened up my Google Calendar. I also got an email, I think, that SMS notifications are going to go away January 7th. Do you yeah. have this turned on? Well, I was going to ask you guys if you had ever used that or not no, before. never. No, and I no. think that's why it's getting turned off. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't even know that I knew it existed until like I was showing Calendar, oh, I don't know, like a year ago or something. I'm like, oh, look at that. You can get text messages from your Google Calendar. I just get notifications because I have it on my phone. Which but. is exactly what Google said. They right. said people were using the notifications more. I do know a couple of teachers that were using it, and yeah. they used to get like you know text messages on the way to school or something. Yeah. And, but I'm like, like a little reminder. yeah. I feel like notifications are all yeah. people need now. Yeah, I so, agree. So uh, it looks like January 7th, 2019, just a PSA that yeah. the SMS notifications are going away. Yeah. Okay, um, the next one. Oh, we saw this one on Twitter. Yeah, we You were speaking French on Twitter the other day. It came in. I'm like, what? Are we speaking French on Twitter now? Oh, mais un petit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but okay. So uh, one of our listeners, uh, Rachel Smith, uh, tweeted at us to remind us or to actually to tell us because I didn't know this either. But when we talked about the live titles and the Apple Clips app, you can do live titles in a foreign language, which I think is kind of fun. It's really cool. Yeah, but it's kind of neat. Yes, there's a little globe button or something in the corner and you tap that and you can change the language and then the iOS device will listen for words in, in that language that you chose, and it will. So you don't have to choose a language. It. You do have to choose oh, the language ahead of time. Language. Yep. Oh, okay. Right. And then it will transcribe into the language that you're talking in. So, what did you say um, in French? What did you say? a little bit? Petite is little, right? Correct. Just yes. a little oh, bit. Okay. Just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. That was okay. Continue. <laughs> this one I don't know anything about. 
Um, so next one is uh, I saw this from Leslie Fisher. She tweeted this out, and okay. I she did a blog post on it. And I just thought it was kind of interesting. I showed it to Stacey yesterday, and I'm like, "Did you know this existed?" And she's like. I think I did, but so I don't know how new this is. I'll just give it out there. You know how when you take a PDF and you upload it to Google Drive and then you open that PDF into Google Docs Mm -hmm. and it kind of gives you all the text out of it. It does. It takes all the text out of the PDF. So you've got the text version. Then you've got this kind of weird kind of image thing as well on the document. Yeah. So. Leslie Fisher was playing around with this, and she's got one of those rocket boot notebooks yes. like Stacey has. Yes. Okay. She is the rocket book queen, right? I think she is. Yeah. Um, and so what she did was she took a page of her handwriting. Yeah. She took a picture of it with the rocket book uh-huh. notebook app, which saved it as a PDF into Google Drive. Right. So she's got a, not a PDF of text, a PDF of handwriting. And mm-hmm. then when she took that PDF of handwriting and opened that into Google Docs... It converted the handwriting into text, which I'd never seen before. I didn't know that that existed. So if you look on the the, the show notes there, I put a little link that says example, because I did it myself too. And you'll see my handwriting as a PDF, and then when I uploaded it to Google Drive, that's what it changed it into text. Nice. Oh, I saw that on the table yesterday. I wondered yeah. what that was. Like, <laughs> a piece well, of paper go. that said, this is a test of my handwriting. So, yeah, you ha- it has to be a PDF because the first time we did it, I think it was an image and it doesn't do it with an image. It doesn't know what to do with an image, but huh. it does it with the PDF. If you open a PDF of handwriting into a Google Doc, it'll give you editable text. So I think it's kind of interesting. That is kind of interesting because Keep does that too, right? Keep does something similar to that, yeah. yeah so with, I wonder with if images. that's how you know, like mm-hmm. if they got pulled over into same keep kind then, of technology, older, yeah, right. All right. Well, um, I've been holding on to this one um, for a little bit because you know that I love CoSpaces just a ton, and CoSpaces had some updates recently. Um, a couple of them. This one I don't know, but Corey, this might be something that you know. Do you know what FBX is? I don't FBX format. So CoSpaces now lets you upload models in FBX format. I have no idea what that means. I'm just mentioning it because maybe someone out there does. But um, the other thing that it has is um, the ability to add a path for your items to ani- that you're animating, which is kind of nice. Um, so you can put that path straight in there, and you can find that in the special objects in the CoSpaces EDU library. This is what I thought was really neat, though, is that now it has an integrated Google Poly search. So you can pull in 3D objects from Google Poly, which um, I think is kind of neat. I've been to Google Poly, like, Poly a couple times. I'm like, what do you do with this stuff? What are, you, what are people doing with Google Poly? I thought, oh, here's a purpose can, for Google Poly. Yeah. So it looks like FBX Poly, comes from Autodesk. Yeah. Oh, real okay. time so that, may, that okay. would be similar to Poly, I think. I, I don't know. It says here's 3D animation software file. So I don't, I don't know what that co- means, though. Well, but in CoSpaces, right. if it's mm-hmm. a three dimensional yes. object, yeah. then you can Which fit and in you that give virtual it a path. reality yeah. world. So it's like, it's a little bit of app smashing ish, right? Yeah. That kids could design something in Autodesk and then bring it into CoSpaces. Interesting. Hmm. So anyway, CoSpaces has, like, really done a lot of stuff um, just recently because we, in the past, had talked about um, CoSpaces with, what are those little block things? I can't figure out what their purpose is. Merge Merge cubes. cubes. There it is. Um, CoSpaces and Merge Cube have, you know, have a relationship now. And, yeah, I love CoSpaces. There's interesting stuff on Twitter. I haven't played with CoSpaces a lot. That's on my to-do list, hopefully in December, fingers Mm -hmm. crossed. But I've been seeing on Twitter teachers... Or it's Twitter or Facebook. I'm in the yeah. CoSpaces Facebook group, so that yes. may be where I saw yep. it. But yep. um, just showing cause kind of some really interesting ways of using the merge cubes with CoSpaces. So I'm really curious yeah, about Yeah, the it. only thing about this, and I think I've said this before, is that CoSpaces allows you to put your world out in AR anywhere without the merge cube. Yes. <sighs> so and that's, so why to me, much it? cooler than the merge cube itself. But... Is that to bring it to give kids something that's tactile? More t- I wonder. Tangible? I don't know. I mean, that you can. I don't know. Because that's AR, pretty cool too. AR, the AR, AR part mm-hmm. of merge or of um, co spaces is pretty cool. Okay. Like creating your world and then it's just out. I don't know. 
And this I is, think that's really neat. This yeah. is kind of a side uh, sidebar on that, but okay. I, this almost made the Nugget episode, but oh. I didn't know enough about it to talk about it. So maybe Corey could have talked about it, but GeoGebra has an AR app too. They do. Have you seen that? So no. you can make like you make like a three D graph or something yeah. in GeoGebra, and you could put that into a physical space so that kids can look all around it and see up and from different really? angles and what that looks yeah. like. I like, saw think that about was on the list and you skipped it. Yes. And I was like, I I didn't understand why that would have been technical because I think we've talked about it before, but so that's interesting. Yeah, you can visualize your graphs and... Mm. In 3D space, I guess. Interesting. Or multiple kids could, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, I think those are really hard concepts for kids. Hard to visualize, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. And to understand what that means. I mean, I I just think because of getting a computer science degree, I had to take a lot of advanced level math. And I still have very visceral memories of being like 20 and going like, oh, that's what my uh, high school, excuse me, yeah. that's what my teacher was talking about. Like, oh, yeah, that now it makes sense. sense. Sure. And mm-hmm. I was a successful student. Yeah, it was right. just like, all of a sudden it clicked and it was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, because like, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I could it. complete the assignments, but yeah. um, I think that would be really neat. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to try that with some kids now. It should have been a tech nugget. Now extra, you're regretting that you didn't put it on. Extra nugget. Yeah, yeah extra nugget. <laughs> yeah. Nugget crumb. So that moves us on to our main course. Up next, start to you piping hot. Computer science and schools ready to go for computer science week coming up first week of December. The third through the ninth. Third through the ninth. So that's my, yeah, next week, right? Yeah. All right. So Corey, you have a really special background, like you had mentioned that you um, have a computer science background, which really fills, I think, a huge void in our team because none of us have a computer science background, really. Um, so you've really done a great job of kind of getting us started. And just recently, like this year, right, Iowa has um, now has computer science standards. Yeah, so Iowa adopted standards. It's June or July. Mm-hmm. I don't know the right. date. Yeah. Somebody can fact check me. But um, yeah, so June, I think there was been a workforce that's been ongoing work for a while. Um and they selected standards, and we've adopted them as a state. So it's really exciting. There's a roadmap, I think. Mm-hmm. I've, when I first started teaching computer science, there wasn't much. And so you kind of go off what you know and what your experience is, what you think is important for kids. So I think it's exciting, but that's nerdy. But I think it's exciting that there's a roadmap for yeah, teachers right. to say, here's kind of the scope and sequence, and here's the scaffolds that we need to help kids be successful. Mm-hmm. And just recently, um, Corey, and I don't know if you knew this, Wiley, but um, Corey came into Tech Coaches, and we kind of did a walkthrough of the computer. We did a jigsaw of sorts. Yes, we did right? a jigsaw. Yeah. AA jigsaw. <laughs> um, and kind of did a walkthrough with those and paired them with the Nicely paired with the ISTE standards. And I think what's interesting, and and I know I've heard you say this before, is that a lot of times the misconception is that computer science is just coding. Yeah. But it's not. There's more to it than that. Do you want to talk a little bit about what we would find in our computer science standards? Yeah. So I think it's also interesting, the word coding. So I don't feel like my degree is that old. Um, and so it was programming when I went through. Sure. So just the shift in language that's been really quick is interesting to me. Um, but so, yeah, I think the hard part for teachers is that because of our code, which is phenomenal and has been great about building um, excitement and awareness, um, but people have this really narrow vision of computer science. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I really like about the standards that IO adopted is there's five core concepts and only one of those really is focused on coding. Right. Um, and that's algorithms and programming. So one of them is about computing systems. Um, and so that's really more about like network and hardware. I'm going to bring them up so I don't misspeak. Um, let me bring them up in front of me. But so computing systems talks a lot about devices, hardware troubleshooting. So just helping kids to be able to do that. So Jonathan and I were in Central City working with a couple of teachers um, and went into a kindergarten classroom and the mm-hmm. kids had iPads and they were struggling with a keyboarding app. And what was really interesting and exciting was that some of those kids, not all of them, but some of the kids were, they knew enough to know like, okay, the app froze. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to close it. I'm going to sure. restart it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that their teachers are already doing a lot of the work that's in the standards mm-hmm. right? because it's what we do as humans. It's problem solving and critical thinking. Um, they just don't recognize that they're doing that, but they're teaching kids those skills. 
And so um, I've also said this a lot, but I feel like a lot of this is like demystifying the standards. Like, how do we help teachers to understand these aren't scary standards? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what I'm most passionate about for kids, too, is that I just I don't want them to think computers are magic because they're not. It's right. a device. Uh, it's electronic and it can be um, programmed and controlled. And so how do we help to demystify that for kids so that when they, whether they become a computer programmer or not, mm-hmm. when they look at these devices, they can ask really good critical questions um, and be informed enough to kind of go like, um, I don't think that's how that works. Yeah, right. And I don't know as a society that we're as much there as I would like us to be mm-hmm. um, because we haven't really focused on teaching kids just the basics what's there so um yeah so there's computing systems networks in the internet really is network infrastructure which i took classes on sure it was not my favorite yeah. to be real honest but i have enough baseline information that i can ask questions and make that work but so thinking about like cybersecurity, which is really important and we've got in iowa at iowa state they've got a really strong program there Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, and there's oh. a um, a board member on the STEM council out of Iowa State, and I'm going to dr- draw a blank on his name, so it's terrible, but he does really great work around cybersecurity and does national work hmm. with the government, but then he also has a competition for high school kids that they can come and start to learn those. So nice. there's really cool opportunities for kids. Um, data and analysis is a really good one, I think, that connects to math and science. Mm -hmm. And so that one is really about getting kids to think about collecting and sorting and then analyzing data. Data analysis, I think, is a great connection to math and science because it gets kids and teachers to collect data, sort it, analyze it. Um, When we, I guess we've been in Central um, City a lot, so I hate to keep using that one. But Mm -hmm. when I talk to teachers there, like kind of talking about like, so K-1-2 teachers always have a weather unit somewhere in there, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, they ask kids to collect right. the weather. That's a great way. And whether you do it with sticky notes or a pictograph or you use Excel to start to create a bar chart, like, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be on the computer, but you're getting kids at that thinking about, okay, right. how do I collect the data? How do I organize it? How could I store it in a way that's meaningful mm-hmm. for kids? Um, so looking that's for one patterns, of- right? Yeah, you're yeah. looking for patterns. Yeah, right. You're looking for mm-hmm. ways that you can abstract different ideas and chunk that into yeah, smaller sure. pieces right. mm-hmm. so, that's one of those ones where you can hit two sets of standards at once you can do your math standards and mm-hmm. your yes. computer science standards well yeah. and you could get at tech standards i mean i think mm-hmm. there yeah, it's oh, just yeah. ripe for teachers to really i mean not that it should be about checking off the boxes but i think to me it's more about can i engage kids in really thinking critically mm-hmm. and getting excited about it having it be meaningful i think to me, that was the appeal of computer science. I always loved the sciences, and I loved math, and I also loved music. <laughs> um, and so now as an adult, when I think about it, like it's really about pattern, right? It's mm-hmm. there. But computer science was the first time where I was kind of like, oh, I can do something with this. Mm-hmm. Like, I can be productive um, and use this love of math but make something that is productive in life and sure. not just, you know, like solving theorems in math class. Oh. Not so fun. No. Not at all. Not so. at all. Um, so then the next concept that's there is algorithms and programming. And that's, again, I think has a lot of really good connections to other content areas. But that's typically the coding. Right. So that's your controls and variables and algorithms. Um, so um, Samantha Dalby that I know you guys have had on. So mm-hmm. I went and li- yeah. back and listened. So trying mm-hmm. to not. But Samantha, um, I can't remember where we're at, but made a really good um, connection of saying, like, she's working with teachers and just saying, like, recognize where your algorithms in your class are. Algorithms just a to-do list, essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. So getting teachers to recognize, like, you might be a kindergarten teacher. You have algorithms everywhere because you have routines and you have checklists. Yeah, procedures and stuff. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. so all those things. And then I think about the blended learning work when I was in the last blended class. I mean, really, that's what you're helping kids do mm-hmm. is – so a lot of times we talk about abstraction and computer science. So we take big problems and we just, we just keep paring them down into smaller palatable chunks of work that I can do. Well, that's what teachers do every day, right? We have this all this big work, and we make tons of decisions in a day. Well, really, that's abstracting. You're taking all this work you need to do. You're making it into palatable chunks, and then you kind of create routines or whatever. Well, that's mm-hmm. what computer scientists do. And so this fear of I'm not a coder, it's like, well, you are. You're just not typing a language in. Yeah, right. But uh, you're doing the thinking that is there. Yeah, and I think some of it is like it's like the vocabulary. It's like yeah. I, I'm um, – 
I have no idea what algorithms are or variables and 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 abstraction abstractions and things like that. You were talking about it. It sounds like another world kind of stuff, and it's yeah. it's like you're saying it's making that you know come to life in terms of things you're already doing and and what that really means. Well, and there's when I was a brand new teacher, I read a book called Choice Words. Have you guys read that book? Uh-uh. It's really short read, um, but it t- it just talked about being intentional about language. So, like in my classroom, I called my students engineers. Mm-hmm. So, in- just like just being intentional about the language that you use, and I feel like there's some of that too. Is like, so as a classroom teacher, I can start to be intentional about language and helping kids see connections. And so, I feel like that's part of our work and. What I'm trying to do this year is figure out what teachers need. But I think a lot of it's about language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stacy and I have talked about just kind of making a list kind of like that to say, like, algorithm. Here's the technical definition. Here's a bunch of real-life examples of what yeah, that looks sure. like in your classroom. It's, is it a routine? Is it lining up? Is it mm-hmm. um, the checklist? Is You know, whatever teachers have in their rooms to help do yeah, that. That's so, good. That's a great idea. I love I that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I'll get that done at some point. And then the last one is impacts of computing. And this is where our friend Lynn gets super excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, because this feels a lot like digital citizenship to me, but it is a piece that was missing, at least in my education, is thinking about the impacts. So yeah. if I design an app like Facebook, what are the impacts of yeah. that mm-hmm. on mental health, on elections, yeah. on news yeah. cycles, and and so to me, it's like the unintended consequences thing. Um, and I think that our kids, like my own children, are super aware of that kind of stuff. So I think it's about providing a space that you require kids to be reflective about it, but also having a classroom environment that allows that type of conversation to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And Which to is happen. still a lot of like if then, right? Like if I create yes. this, then, you know, what are what are the pros of this? What are the cons of this? I mean... It's nothing, you, you know, know, it's back to, yeah, so right. I worked with this, I um, I worked with a counselor who used B-Bots to do social stories, and they had the Making STEM Connections scale up in Iowa, okay. and it's a mobile cart, it goes around the classroom, so she was trying really hard to incorporate that, and so she kind of had this epiphany of like, well, when kids come to a conflict with another kid, it's an if-else statement, mm-hmm. right? So if I do this, what are the potential consequences, what are the pot- potential outputs that happen? And so she had the kids program the so like, mm-hmm. I have a conflict with a friend. I choose to hit them. What happens? And they would follow this kind of like logic tree she made out like the oh, bebop cool. map. Yeah. But I, like those are great ways to get kids sure. to think, but also be tactile. Also be thinking about logic mm-hmm. and sequence. Um, so I think there way there's tons of creative ways. Teachers are super smart and come up with creative ways to engage kids. It's just about helping them to have the tools and the resources to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, th- I think there's a lot of interesting conversations to have with older kids on things like the ethics because the more and more things that we are getting technology to do, the more it raises a lot of ethics yeah. questions. Yeah. Like, for instance, like, you know, we talk about artificial intelligence and how that is learning, and that learns because we feed it data and it does stuff with that data but that data has to come from people and so what what are the ethics i mean where where's the the dividing line between how much data we're shoveling up to these big tech companies and how much is you know good and bad or things like self-driving cars and the the dilemmas and decisions they have to make if they're coming down the road and it's difference between either the you know somebody swerves out in front of them do they hit the pedestrian or do they drive into a tree and potentially kill the driver you know what is the decisions that the technology should be making and things like that so i don't know so it makes me think anyway yeah and i think that's would be the intention right I'm a big fan of throwing questions out there and letting people (laughs) wrestle with them. And for kids, too. um, I mean, I like to do it with the educators. I Mm -hmm. think that's kind of a nice part of our job is I can throw it out and say, what do you think? Mm -hmm. I I can't have all the answers. I mean, we certainly didn't know what would happen. Like, I have a very clear memory of being on campus when Google came out. And it was a big deal. Like, we were all really excited about it. And, you know nobody knew it was going to turn into this yeah, what it is right. today yeah. and so i don't we can't predict it but we certainly can engage intellectually with the questions and ask kids to do that and i think that's what impacts of computing is sure and so you look at those standards and one fifth of them yeah is about the coding language mm-hmm. and i feel like that's a lot of the questions i get asked is yeah. like what's the language what's the platform what's the device so like the physical computing device mm-hmm. 
right now, I don't feel like, but you guys should correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not getting a lot of questions about like, how do I engage kids in conversation about the impacts of computing or how how do we address the networking and infrastructure piece Mm -hmm. of these? And I think that's about awareness. So that's the standards are brand new. So I'm not trying to Mm -hmm. make judgment, but it's going to be interesting to see how we engage and support each other with that work, I think, for teachers. So these standards have been around for a little while. They're kind of like voluntary standards that I was adopted, kind of similar to like SC standards that we use for technology, things yeah. like that. Well, why, why is it becoming important now that we have these in place? Well, I think that people are finally starting to realize that this is not going away um, and that we all need a base knowledge. I mean, this is Corey's. I don't have a... Hey, that's why you're here. We're yeah, asking right, Corey. Yeah, Um I mean, to me, it's a, it's honestly a little bit frustrating because I got a computer science degree in 2003. I mean, it, I've, I guess I've always felt like this is important for our kids to know. Um, I do think that part of it is that the devices are so ubiquitous, right? Like, I my cell phone is sitting here. I'm always on a device. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on vacation last week, and we had our devices out to be navigating what we were doing. Like, you don't really even get a break anymore on vacation kind of stuff. So I think it's, I think there's a big push in knowing that um, as like AI and robots continue to be more widespread, that we have to have a knowledge of computer science to engage and be critical thinkers and to create entertainment and media. Uh That's kind of where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I think that... what I believe is that you have to be knowledgeable to look at it and make sense of it. Like I can't, I can't 100% translate looking at like HTML for a website, but I know enough to make sense of it and to follow paths through it or any piece of coding. And I guess that would be my hope for teachers and students is that they've got enough baseline knowledge to make sense of it. Like mm-hmm. with Jonathan's French, I took French in high school for a couple of years. I knew petite was small. Like right. I have enough that I can grasp onto it and make sense of it. Um, and that's what I would hope for our kids. So I think, I think that's where it's coming from. I think code.org helps. There's positive momentum there. Um, I think especially in Iowa, our governor is very focused on STEM and creating a workforce that will bring industry into our state and computer science is a big part of that. So yeah. in Iowa, we've got like, I don't, we should ask Samantha, so I'll mess it up. But there are hundreds of jobs in Iowa that are unfilled because we don't have people that have the computer science expertise that is necessary to help the businesses. So I think there's some of it that is also economic based too. Yeah, we have the Iowa, the governor's Iowa STEM Council is set up for for that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we have a focus on there. Yeah. For sure. Good job, Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um, if and I think this is so important that's why I want to keep bringing it up is that computer science is not just coding so you talked about the five different um, what do you call them concepts call them concepts yep, okay. I was going to say areas but okay so the five different concepts if people in the Grantwood area are looking to look more at these standards or learn more about the computer science how would they do that? Well, they can uh, contact one of our team members, okay. and then they're going to point you to me. Probably. Yeah, we're just going to we're just going <laughs> to <just gonna laughs> forward, gonna forward your email. Right so, um. Um, so we so we're working really hard to provide support to districts. So we have a workshop in February that's planned, mm-hmm. February twelfth, and we're going to what we would really like is for schools to bring a team. So we'd like them to right. bring an administrator. We'd like them to bring instructional or tech coaches and then bring teachers from their different grade levels, so elementary, middle, high, or whatever the configuration is, to dig into the standards and start to put a plan together. I think that's, the, for me right now, I think that's the most important part, is is that let's kind of work together, get a basic understanding, kind of like we did with tech coaches, right. basic understanding that there's these five concepts that are there. And then at our workshop in February, um, the team that's working together, and it's not just our tech team. So Amber and I from the tech team are on there and Stacy and Keith, one of our RAs, our regional administrators are leading it. But then there's math consultants and science consultants and Diana, who's one of the teacher librarians is there. Um, but we're trying to make it be a little more interdisciplinary. But um, the other part of that work is that we're going to, what we want to do is help schools also recognize like, here's the stuff we're already doing right. that 
either A, meets these standards, or B, needs a tiny tweak. So mm-hmm. if it's calling my routines an algorithm, or at least helping make that connection. Right. Um, but then also recognizing where their gaps are so that c- we can share as a large group. So if there's five or six different districts there, we can get ideas from each other. But then for us as a team, we'll see where the gaps are and we can start to plan. Like, what is the learning that teachers need? Yeah, what support do we need to provide? Because I feel like we've, like, as a team, you guys have done a ton of stuff that's coding adjacent. And so now I think it's just about saying, okay, so let's be a little more intentional about making sure we have a plan. Mm -hmm. And then how do we expand on that? Because between the work with Spiros and Makey Makeys and... Um, hummingbirds, like that, all that makerspace stuff is really building a foundation for kids, I think, and is a good way to engage kids in the coding. Now we've just got to kind of expand that out a little bit. So, our code coming up December 3 through the 9. Um, I, I put ish after that because it kind of, you know, some people do it in that week and other people do it kind of around that week. Is that fair to say? And you do it all the time. Yeah, right. it's not okay. just that hour for sure. Thing. Right, we always say that. Like we talk about our goal. Please, you could do that kind of stuff all the time. All the time. Yeah. Well, that's what's hard about an event, right? Is yeah. that you want it to keep going. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so our code week is always the same week as computer science education week, which is a good way to get schools excited about it. But yeah, you could do this anytime or have Mm -hmm. it be a recurring event. Um, So what we're doing this year is just trying really hard to get schools engaged. We're asking our Grantwood schools to register with us so that we know who's doing it. Um, and we're working really hard to kind of get a better sense of what is the coding that's getting taught mm-hmm. um, and where are the gaps yeah. so that we can provide some learning for educators that really fits the need of what right. they ha- what is missing. Um, and I think we're super fortunate to have Nuboco and Samantha and Ann mm-hmm. Nicholson that works with her. Um, you know, I just, I don't want to provide stuff for teachers that's already out there. Yeah. Right. So let's, you know, kind of diversify a little bit, make sure it's what they need, but um, this year, our code is all about creativity and dancing, which is really mm. fun. Um, and so I'm hoping that we'll get some Grantwood schools sending us some video or gifts of them dancing. My um, nine-year-old son was super excited. He's a big fan of the floss and the dab. Yeah. And so that's mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. Your kids do. So. Sure. Um, and I think it's another a nice way. I think sometimes people's mental picture of a programmer is someone that sits all day and Mm -hmm. isn't active. And I know that to not be true. Sure. um, At least in my experience. And so I think that's a, it's a fun way of having it be an active kinesthetic piece. Absolutely. So, so that might tie in with this then I'm, I'm looking at this hour of code participation guide which we'll link to in the show notes. And uh, step three says plan your technology needs. Computers are optional. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Well, so um, there's lots of unplugged activities if you go to Our Code, um, where kids can be coding each other. It's really fun to see videos mm-hmm. on Twitter, like Code the Teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to do, which is pretty classic, like the make a peanut butter sandwich, right? So I'd have my kids write the directions, and then I would follow the directions they gave me. And it was a hot mess because they wouldn't <laughs> tell you to open the jar of peanut butter or they wouldn't tell you how much. Like, their directions yeah, wouldn't right. be concise, which is what is necessary right. when you're giving directions. And so there's lots of examples on our code. And I put together some s'mores in the grade bands that the standards are at. So the computer science standards, which I guess we didn't say, are grade banded. So there's K2, 3, 5, 6, 8, 9, 12. Um, when you go to the Hour Code website, it's a lot. So the, I think it's the fifth or the sixth year. I can't remember anymore. But there are way more resources than anybody yeah. can weed through. Yeah. And so what I tried to do for our schools and anybody that wants to use them in the s'more is to pick three online activities that I thought were really strong and engaging for kids, but then three unplugged or offline activities that the directions were really clear. It'd be really easy for a teacher to grab, not have to do a ton of planning and engage the kids in. And so those are on our um, digital learning team website under computer science. Hey, they were one of my tech nuggets last time. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. those are there for teachers, but you can search, you can filter through their website yeah. and look for unplugged or um, you can do it by content area. I don't think I'm making that up. I think that's there mm-hmm. now, um, like math or science based. So there's tons of stuff for teachers to do that will f- 
they can feel natural and feel comfortable with. So it's not that you have to pick scratch. If you're not comfortable with scratch, you can Mm -hmm. pick something that you feel confident engaging the kids in. Yeah, I think these are exciting times. Yes. And yeah. uh, I think even at this time of year, um, one of our uh, good friends shared this on Twitter the other day that this is the time where teachers are starting to turn to like DVDs to give their kids. Oh, when, yes. you know, there's so many other great things we could do. We could do stuff like this, and this would uh, be much more engaging and, and interesting for them, I think. Yeah, it's a good tweet. Yeah. It was a great tweet. And they could do paired programming, right? Yes. So they yeah. could do it together and be collaborating with each other and learning from each other. It'd be mm-hmm. phenomenal to engage kids that way. A month of code. How about that? A month of code. Uh, well, it'd be like Gina's code vent or yeah, code code, code vember for November. So yeah. I don't know what code December is. I'm not good at that mm. stuff. I'm glad Gina's on the team. She's yeah. so good at that stuff. Decomber. <laughs> Decode. Decode? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. We'll let her figure it out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or just code all the time. I mean, that would be the other option. (laughs) Corey would be fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be good with that. (laughs) All right. Up next is my favorite part of the show, Tech Nuggets. As we stare across yes. the table at each other, wondering who's going to go first. Who will go first? Why don't you go? Okay. Okay. Um, in a previous episode, we shared the closed captioning for Google Slides. This is and so I happened to come across this. I don't even remember where I found it, but it's been around for a while. Um, I thought I'd share it. There is an add-in for PowerPoint. Uh, Windows only, and it's called the Microsoft Presentation Translator for PowerPoint. And it's free. And it basically does a very similar um, type of thing. It will do live closed captions for you. Um, it's got a few other features, though, that um, it can take advantage of. For instance, um, people can follow along with your captions on a mobile device or on a website by going to translate.it and entering the code for your um, presentation. So I guess that could help um, people with visual impairments that they could maybe not necessarily see your captions in the front there because they're so far away that they could see them on their screen. Um, It also has the ability to translate your captions in live subtitling. So if you were giving an audience to some French speakers, let's stick with the (laughs) French language, and uh, you didn't speak French, then I I don't know how good a translation this would actually be, but it can do that translation part for you. So, Or maybe if you had some ESL kids in your room and you're just talking about it and you feel like all the other kids are able to get it and understand you audibly then you could have some you know spanish subtitles or something on while you're presenting yeah that's kind of interesting to me because you think about it like i know you know english you sometimes have to listen to the whole sentence because taking spanish for a couple years you didn't know what that whole sentence was before you could actually construct the spanish sentence yes because they say things differently and their structure is different so that to me is interesting like, is it in real time or is it slightly delayed? It is slightly it's delayed. It's got to be slightly yes. delayed. Yes. And it's awesome, though. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing it does, which I think is kind of interesting, too, is you can translate your entire PowerPoint into oh. another language. So you just yeah. save a version oh. of it in French, save a version in Spanish, yeah. and it will give. It will, I did it, and it was kind of interesting. I, I don't know if it was good, but. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, so how yeah. do we check it to make sure yeah. the entire. You need a it's modern foreign language someone. teacher or somebody yeah. to help you with that, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely was French words that it put on the screen. <laughs> well, it definitely put French words yeah. on there. Yeah. So yeah. So it's it's an interesting option. It's free if you want to play with it, or if you prefer PowerPoint to uh, to Google Slides. Uh, it's a free add-on for Windows. Nice. Well, yesterday mm-hmm. I um, had a request from um, support staff from a school. And they wanted a form where teachers could upload and attach um, receipts to be reimbursed. Makes sense. Yes. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, of course you can do that. So I'm playing with it because I'd never done it before because I never had had a purpose, I guess. I'm playing with it. And I'm like, how does this work? So in case you're not aware, the way this works is when you create a form and ask people to attach a doc or an image or something like that. 
What happens then is that there is a folder created in your Google Drive named after the form itself. So let's say um, you call your form demo. That's what I called mine, demo receipts, okay? I have a folder in my Google Drive called demo receipt responses. Then inside that folder, I have another folder that's named the question that I asked that I wanted attachments in. Okay. Okay. So when I go into that folder, all of my response attachments are in that folder. Now, you asked a really good question because I noticed this too, and maybe there's a way around it, but when I go into that folder, I don't know what attachment belongs to what person. Mm-hmm. Oh. Doesn't, it didn't, from what I saw it's not now the only thing i wondered is because it was me responding to my own form if there was something there like if you would have responded to the form i don't know because i attached my name to it you know that was my first question was name my second one was you know please attach your receipt or whatever but i'm not really sure how that looks however the other thing you can do is go into your form um, in the edit mode and go to the responses tab. And there it would say Mindy Carney with my attachment next to it. And you can also click on a little button that says view folder and I could go in there. You can also, because Ooh, Google, always a had, <laughs> Google always has three ways to do everything, I feel like. You can also, of course, create that spreadsheet. It creates a link to that image or doc uh, or whatever of course. in your folder. Mm-hmm. So then it has my name and the link. That to makes sense. That. That was all new to me. I mean, I knew it did it. I guess I just didn't know the organization of it. Yes, me too. It was one of those things that I knew was there, but I'd never had the opportunity or reason to use it. Yeah. And I'm glad you did. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it took me about, just well, I looked think, for a while. I like, know. what's going on here? I can't understand this. So Next. I think sometimes the hard part is we're trying to use Google Forms like it's a database. And yeah. it's, not. it's not. I mean, really. but so we just create lots of workarounds. Yes, to, that's true. Yes. So there it is. Cool. I don't know if that's a nugget, but it was a aha for me yesterday. It's a nugget. Yeah. It it's an aha nugget. <laughs> okay. Next. What you got? Uh, I picked the next one for you, Mindy. I thought you might like this. I saw this going around Twitter yeah. uh, in a few different places. It's the emoji builder. I know. I have to add this to the slide deck. Embracing the emoji. Yes. Yes. You can create your own custom emojis on this website, which I think is kind oh, of fun it's kind thing of fun. to do. Uh-huh. You can choose different faces, and it takes a lot of like you know the faces from um, your popular emojis like yes. cats and mm-hmm. the, clown. Um, the clown and cowboys cowboy. and just the standard yellow head um and you can choose mouths and you can choose eyes what i think it's interesting about the eyes is you could your left eye can be different from your right eye but i guess that makes sense for like mm-hmm. winking emoji and things like that and, and there's an xy axis there is an xy axis how yes. cool is that i mean you can like That's move only your cool for some of us but uh, <laughs> you can okay, move sorry. your eye around to a different spot in a different place you, have you clicked the randomize i just have an in it and actually labels what your emoji is. So I hit randomize and it put a bunch of stuff on. It says neutral, weary face with robot eye and medical mask. I got kissing, skeptical, crying face. <laughs> Super funny. I got confused, pensive, smirking face. Oh, so oh. I think I could Sounds use that one. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should say Although that. Although it looks a little... Right, anyway, so uh, there's also... Ex- yeah, oh, and it downloads. It downloads it as a PNG file. Uh, oh, so you can nice. save that to your computer and use that wherever you want. So you could have a custom emoji for yeah. your class or for you as a teacher yeah. or whatever you want to have. Or like formative assessment. Yeah. How are sure. you? Yeah. yeah. How are you feeling today? So I think it's fun. Good one. And uh, there's a there is a thing at the top that also made me smile. It says assets copyright Apple. Please don't sue Please me. Please don't sue me. Ooh. So hopefully it'll still be there when you click on the link. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, they are very Apple emojis. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Which interestingly enough, I don't know if you've ever done this, and I only realized this um, after the embracing emoji slide deck, but. Use Apple emojis inside your Google slide deck when you they look fine until you plug them into a projector of some sort and then they all go goofy. Have you ever done this before? I use emojis all the time. Do you guys know? Anyway, it makes them black, blobby, um, weird emojis. 
But so, only when you're projecting? Only when you're projecting. That is correct. Um, so That's what weird, you have right? to do to make sure that doesn't happen is use it as a PNG instead. So you have to download them and then upload them. And this will let and you And this would let you even create your own. Yeah. And what I think is also interesting, uh, I thought this is where you were going, but if you go oh. to em- Emojipedia dot... Yes. What is that? Emojipedia? It's Emojipedia. Emojipedia. Um, In there, you can see what the emojis look like on all the different platforms. Mm -hmm. So what does a laughing Mm -hmm. face look like on Apple phones? What does it look like on Google phones? What does it look like on Microsoft phones? Samsung phones? Even WhatsApp, Twitter, Facebook, Messenger. Because sometimes they change. Yes. They don't mean the same thing. They are all loudly crying face, it says here, but yeah. uh, they all have different interpretations of what that looks like right. for their platform, which I think is kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. It's good to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I have, I actually have two. I have one that is just like a, um, a crumb of a nugget. And a crumb of a nugget? <laughs> yes. And I it's don't fine. think we've had it's those just, before. So. There's not much to say about it. I downloaded the Cool Lake app um, a couple weeks ago, and it's $3. I never spend that much on Mm. an app ever in my life, Um, (laughs) ever. This is probably the most I've ever spent, minus the Minecraft app. Anyway, so I downloaded the Cool Lake app because, um, like, seven episodes ago, I recommended this more from Trisha Fogelstead that has all of those green screen ideas. Do you remember this, Wiley? Yes. On there, she had an idea of how to create a snow globe effect. And so um, I needed to create, or really wanted to, needed is (laughs) relative, Um, really wanted to create a snow globe effect. And I had to use the Cool Lake app because it will add weather to your still images. So you can add snow over top of a snow, um, an image or rain or like a, like a lake or pool effect um, to your images and then creates a little video of it. So I was creating a snow globe and had to have something that would do that. Um, and I used the green screen um, by doing app as well and then had to, it was a process, let me tell you. But anyway, so this little app like really saved my day. Mm. So if you're doing something like that this winter, creating little snow globes, green screen effect. You're going to need the Cool Lake app or you're going to be sadly disappointed. And it makes it live. Super fun. Anyway, my real nugget is this. So Stacey Beamer <laughs> shared... That was a nugget. That, that was, was a, a nugget. nugget. I like okay, it. Okay, fine. It's kind of fun, but I always feel bad sharing something that you have to pay for. So um, there is this website called Ucubed. And Stacy had sent it um, actually to... I don't know. Did she send it to you guys? Is this like familiar? Maybe she just sent it to me because I'm the, um, on the math. One of, I communicate with the math team. Anyway, so um, she had sent this also to the math team, and we heard back from them that they really like this website. So I always feel a little nervous when I share content things because I'm not a content expert per se. Um, so this Ucubed website, and you know how I always liked math more than I liked teaching ELA. I always thought math was awesome. Um, the only thing about it is that I now that I'm outside the classroom and have the ability to do some more learning, which is super weird how that all uh-huh. turns out. Um, I wish I would have known more about teaching math strategies and knowing the right strategy to share at the right time. I felt like I um, never really had that skill set like I wish that I would have. So I was looking at this Ucubed website and it has all kinds of resources that you can use um, with your students. There's lesson plans. Um, There's some great articles. So if you're looking to kind of change or shift how math instruction is happening in your school, there's some great articles to read, um, some research, things like that. The one that I loved is please stop t- doing math flashcards. I that's one of my mm-hmm. you know soapboxes I will not step onto today, but just uh, lots of different things here that you could kind of take a look at and give you an idea of how to teach different math concepts. The one that I really liked was under tasks and more. There's a week of inspirational math, and the first video that popped up was all about how to work through struggle and how important it is to struggle and how. S- Kids will go out and do cartwheels 15,000 times until they get it right. But how do they apply that in the classroom Mm -hmm. and what it looks like in the classroom to um, stick through something like that? So I really liked those little videos. Um, 
so yeah, just a, a I think a great resource for teachers who are looking to kind of step up their math game and but don't really know where to start. I feel like this is a yeah. great place to go. So they also have courses online um, that you can take. I didn't, of course, sign up for any of those because I, um, well, I don't need the credit or anything like that. But I did see that there was, um, it's only $100. And I always think that's super, that's not bad. And it said it was like 30 hours of professional development and stuff like that. So um, just a place to look if you're looking for something, you know, something else. Yeah. And it's Joe Bowler. Joe Joe Bowler. Yeah. Stanford, right? Yes. Yes. But that's a name. Like I know our, (laughs) I know the math consultants I worked with loved her stuff. So that's always exciting when it's someone that you know is reputable. Yeah. So go and take a look at that. Click around. It's a gold nugget. Gold nugget. Oh, I don't know about gold. Well, okay, maybe. Sure. I'll take it. Gold nugget. All right. Corey, tell us where people can find you and your stuff online. (laughs) I am on Twitter at Corey, it's C-O-R-E-Y underscore Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S. Awesome. And that's the only place you can find her, folks. Mm-hmm. Yep, not anywhere else. Nowhere else. else. Nowhere else. I'm you not. Can, I'm not yeah. on the Instas. <laughs> I'm not on the Snaps because I'm old now. Uh, no, and I'm on. Yeah, go ahead. She's also writing on the digital learning blog dogwaea.org. Yep, and keeping we'll, us up to date. Yeah, we'll put all of those um, s'mores in the links to that um, computer science page too. Yes, in the show notes. Okay. I am at Team Carney on Twitter, and Jonathan is at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at DLGWAA, and you can use our hashtag EdTechTakeout to tag the show. If you prefer, you can send us an email to podcast at GWAA.org because Wiley checks it, and I do not. Correct. <laughs> I read all your fan mail and just ignore it. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> you do. All my fan mail, please. So until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast. Um, and we, when we worked at Central City. There's a man in the vent. <laughs> I'm going to take that opportunity to clear my Yeah, throat. you can. Go for it. What is it? I don't know. I think you're right. It's Mel Gibson in Die Hard. Is he the one in Die no, Hard? It's Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. Oh, Bruce Willis. Oh, you know, the famous Christmas movie. Yes. Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. How did yes. that become a Christmas movie? Anyway. Because it happened at Christmas it, time, didn't yeah. it? It's like or, Star Wars to me is Christmas. <laughs> yeah. How was Star Wars Christmas? Because there's always a movie that comes out in December. Just not this year. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And last year, I guess it came out in May. But there for a while, they were coming out, I feel like, every December so that they could continue to pop out Star Wars merchandise. It's a good for time. For Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Super cynical. Mm-hmm. So data analysis. Yeah, Sorry. so let's go back. To, so data analysis, I think, is a great...